And then if you'll join me on the back of your bulletin, on the screen or in your Bible, um, with the reading this morning. All right, we're going to read all three passages this morning. So starting in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 2, 37 through 38. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 6, 3 through 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much um, for this time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you in song. Um, we thank you for the, um, the gift that that is and the joy that that brings. Lord, we just pray that you would prepare our hearts this morning um, to receive your word uh, through Brian. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be present um, and that you would teach us this morning and challenge us as we learn uh, more about you and about your word um, during this time together. Um, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Just a couple follow-up uh, reminders. Again, Gary Wanacott, Gary and Kathy Wanacott, they're sitting right back there. Just wave. Just in case anyone needs directions or talk to them to where they live if you're a guy. This Wednesday, we will cook out. Mike Gardner is doing the teaching, so you want to make sure you're there for that. The following Wednesday, Tony Mark is teaching. And um, so we want you to come and, and be a part of that. We are studying the book of Proverbs. If you're a guy and you've not yet received one of our books and you want one, please ask me and, and I will give you one. And uh, as we grow in wisdom together, and uh, much needed to be uh, men who are growing in wisdom. So join us for that. Also, I just want to give a special thanks to uh, Mike Nixon, who... Um, completed the, the siding on our containers over there, and um, we're getting closer. We're just inching along with that. So if you want to volunteer, I've got more people that, have, um, that are volunteering. So um, help out with that if you would like to. All right? All right. This morning, we are continuing our study on two things that Jesus commands us to do. And we call them ordinances or sacraments. And um, if you've been around church at all, um, you've heard of that word, or you're a little bit familiar with um, communion, or the Lord's Supper, which is what we talked about last Sunday, and then uh, this morning we are talking about baptism, all right, and so we'll try to make it interesting, we'll try to make it uh, relevant to our lives, and maybe help to, um, maybe even deepen your understanding about this thing. Now, I know that many of you have um, baptism stories or baptism experiences, and um, I'll be very brief with mine. I got baptized when I was 13 years old, I believe, and it was up in Washington State. It was Easter time. It was at Lake Tarbu, which you can still go visit to this day. It's still there, and uh, it's, I don't know why you would go there. It's out in the middle of nowhere and uh, surrounded by hundreds or thousands of trees, and that's about it. And, um, but I, I remember this. 
the pastor said, okay, Brian, you just need to stand up in front of the church, and it was a tiny little church, and say, why do you want to get baptized? And I think I said one sentence, and then I don't know what happened to me. I just started crying. And so I wasn't a very good testimony. And the pastor's like, okay, you're done talking. That's enough. Go walk out there. So it wasn't all that exciting. I didn't say much. But here's what happens a lot in life. All too often, we hear words, communion, baptism, and we just don't really think about them. But we need to. If Jesus says there are two things that we are to continually do, then we, we better like, be thinking about what these things mean. So baptism happens once in your life. Communion is something that's to be happening over and over again in our lives. So if you have your bulletin, I've got something to help us here, and I think it'll be on the screen. This is from New City Catechism. Catechism, uh, just uh, the word to mean to teach us and to help us grow. So here's, here's where we will start. The sacraments or ordinances given by God and instituted by Christ, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, are visible signs and seals that we are bound together as a community of faith by his death and resurrection. By our use of them, the Holy Spirit more fully declares and seals the promises of the gospel to us. And so, these are, these are things that we would want to take seriously and want to grow and understand. And, and it's been a while since we have done a baptism here at our church. And um, we have got one that we are working on right now. Amanda is working on securing the beach permit for the second Sunday of September. So if my talk this morning um, prompts you to want to get baptized, then I would love to speak with you about that. Um, we, um, we have a regular Sunday morning here a little bit shorter sermon, then we have testimonies, then we, as a church, just walk across the street to Zuma and do baptisms there. So I invite you to think through that. <clears throat> All right, so let's think about this for a second. Baptism, the Bible. If you're new to church, we kind of do this strange thing where you go out in the water and we, like, dunk you in, and then we do pull you back up, though, but it's just kind of like this funny little thing that happens. It's kind of, it's kind of odd and weird a little bit, but it does have meaning. All right, so let's think about this uh, in the Old Testament first. The Old Testament actually talks about baptism, but it's a little bit different. Um, David mentions it in Psalms 51 after his blunder, his, his sin with Bathsheba. He says that he washes himself, that he cleanses himself with water, which is a type of baptism. It's also mentioned in the prophets in the Old Testament, but it's always done by yourself, that you would Go and use water as a symbol, as a cleansing of what's happening in your life. <clears throat> then comes along this guy in the New Testament called John the Baptist. Now, it's kind of funny to think about this for a second. I don't know how many of you have nicknames, but the Bible, and again, we don't think about this that often, but the Bible gives this guy named John a nickname. And the word baptize is actually a funny word, too, because... In the Greek, it's just the word baptizo, or and there's different forms of the word. And so to help us, we just, instead of translating the word, we just make the word baptize. But the word in original language has this idea of um, dipping, um, washing, submerging, dunking, all these kind of like just regular words. <clears throat> in fact, when you, um, when you open up these really big, 
lexicons that are like old-fashioned dictionaries. One of the things that comes up, and this is kind of funny, there's an old-fashioned recipe from like the first century on how to make pickles. And the guy has this recipe, and it says, I'm going to baptizo my pickles. <laughs> all right? And all it means is dunk. So this word, don't, don't overly spiritualize this word. It's just a regular word that means to dunk, to submerge, um, to dip, um, to wash. So it's just, just like a regular word. So we could call John, John the washer, John the dunker, John the, the dipper, whatever we want. But that's, the, that's, just, that's what the word is. All right? So think about this for a second. There's a reason why he has a nickname, John the Baptist. He does something that for the first time it ever happens, that ever recorded at least, and that is this, is that he calls people to repentance and he does the baptizing. Everywhere else in the Old Testament, it's something you would do by yourself. John the Baptist is somebody that does it to you. And he does it along with this word repentance. All right, and let me just show you, let me just show you one place. It's in um, Luke's Gospel, and it's, it's really interesting. <clears throat> so he's, here's this guy, and uh, he's, he's, he's that guy that never really um, understood manners and like clean hygiene, nice clothes, right? The Bible describes him as kind of like this odd duck who wore goofy clothes and all kinds of things. He didn't do... Uh, What's the class everyone used to take? Uh, cotillion or something like that? Have you heard of that class? He, he dropped out of that class. He didn't do that. So his manners are bad. But he comes announcing. And he, he's, he's a bold man. He comes announcing that there's someone else that's coming. And he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And so, but listen, listen to what he says. This is interesting about um, repentance and baptism. And here's what he says. <clears throat> This is Luke chapter 3. And the crowds asked him, John the Baptist, what then shall we do? And John answers them and says this, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. <clears throat> Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers came to John the Baptist and said, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be content with your wages. And so baptism in the New Testament is always connected with repentance. So there is this internal transformation that happens, but then there's this outward visible sign that we submerge in water and there's this picture of newness of life. <clears throat> so, all throughout the Bible then, or excuse me, all throughout the New Testament, <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, um, when the church is born, is a massive baptism. Acts 8, um, Acts 9, just on and on and on and on is this consistent picture of repentance and baptism. And so we can think of baptism as this, that baptism is a public announcement of a new identification with Christ. So when you get baptized, you are saying that I no longer am I living for myself, 
But you're making a public declaration that you now live for Christ. And so let's think about that for just a moment <clears throat> and, and kind of deepen our understanding about this. So New City Catechism says this about baptism. It's a sign and a seal. A sign and a seal. So the sign is this, that baptism is the outward sign of an internal transformation of your heart. All right, so the last month or so, we, we were talking a lot about the heart and who you are on the inside. So baptism is just saying this, hey, something has happened in my heart, and I'm going to let people know. I'm going to let people know that I now belong to Christ. It's also a seal. All right, now we don't use this word very much either, but seal is the mark of ownership. I was thinking about how this is used today, and there are a couple of ways. Um, there is a presidential seal. Whenever the president speaks, there's that um, seal in the front. There's a Supreme Court seal. There's also another one that when you get this in the mail, I hope you pay attention to this. All right? See if you recognize this seal. We have this, Jordan. All right? So here's what this means. Seal, S-E-A-L, it means ownership. It means belongs to. And so baptism, that's enough of that sign, right, for right now. <laughs> baptism is a sign and a seal. That letter belongs to the federal government. Baptism, a sign, a seal, you belong to Christ. That's what this means. Okay? So let's spend a couple of minutes then looking at the substance behind the seal, the substance behind the seal and help us better understand that, okay? So I'll have one point on this. So my, my brief outline this morning is this, is that baptism is a sign and a seal that something has happened on the inside, and there's an outward display. Number two, then, is what is the substance behind this seal? The substance behind this seal is this, is that baptism is a turning point of grace in your life. That baptism is a turning point of grace in your life. That that is something now you're on this path following Christ and what sustains you, what holds you, what keeps you there is the grace of Christ, the goodness of God. So let me just show you <clears throat> a few places and, and let me um, elaborate just a little bit on that. So the substance behind the sign, number one is this, is that baptism always points to the cross. It always points to what Jesus Christ has done for you. All right, so I, I think I left it off the bulletin, but if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians for one moment. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 12 says this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been, been buried with Christ, or with him, in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised you from the dead, verse, verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses. That means that, that the things that we have done in the past the things that we have done when we have gone outside of God's instructions, God's guidance for our life, those things are completely forgiven. We are by nature trespassers. And, and when you 
Um, when we think about this word trespass, uh, I'll tell you this, that my mind goes to a, a few places, and, and maybe it speaks to my nature, but I'll say this. I can so clearly remember as a kid fishing. There's this little stream, and you can go there to, the, to this day as well, but there's a little stream in Washington called Chimicum Creek. And me and my buddies, we'd go fishing there, and there would be no trespassing signs all over the place, right? And so you're 14, you're 15, there's amazing fishing right there. You can see the stream, it says, no trespassing. What are you going to do? You're going to trespass, because fishing is more important to me than following the sign from some guy, right? <laughs> so think about this for a second. How many times, have, if you've been up to Halama, and you see... Um, the ranch just south of you, and you see no trespassing, and you're like, oh, I just, I want to trespass. But we've all heard stories about people being arrested, so we don't. But this idea of wanting things and doing things our own way, even though God says, listen, there's a better way to live your life. Don't go down this road. Don't do this thing. Trust me that God is good. You know what we're all guilty of? Like, no, I'm going. And, and we're all, that's our hearts. That's our human hearts. <clears throat> and baptism points to this. It says this. You're forgiven. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Doesn't matter that you're a hardcore trespasser. Doesn't matter if you don't believe in property lines and, and, and individual property. Like, you're just going to go. <clears throat> it says you are forgiven. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 14. It says, <clears throat> by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set them aside, nailing it to the cross. That means you're guilty. We're guilty, and you are completely forgiven. So baptism, the substance behind this outward sign is this, is that you are completely forgiven. It does not matter what you've done in the past, that you can live free from any guilt or shame, and that nothing should hold you back from enjoying the grace of God. He goes on and says this, that he set it aside, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. That means that God used the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to conquer Satan and, his, and the enemy. So baptism, the substance of baptism is this, is that it points you to the grace of God and it points you to cross the cross. It points you towards forgiveness. It points you to freedom. We've all lived with a guilty conscience. We've all lived with the weight of that. And we are not meant to live with the weight of a guilty conscience. We are meant to live in freedom. Number two is this, is that the substance of baptism, this is under point two, the substance of, of baptism is union with Christ. That's another word that we don't use that often, but it's, it's, it's in writings a lot. So what does the word union mean? And, and for me, if you enjoy American history, like my mind goes to like the Civil War. Okay? How, nothing to do with the Civil War, nothing to do with the Union Army or the federal government. Union means this. It means joining together. It means agreement. It means unification. So when I say the substance behind the sign of, the, of this act of baptism in the water, it's your life now is completely joined with Christ. That you live in Him. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 6, and I'll just read this briefly. When he says that our lives are connected with Christ, 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That we, we participate with Christ in his death and his resurrection, that we can walk in newness of life. The Apostle Paul is saying that your life was once your own, now your life is one with Christ. One way to think about this is if you are married here this morning and your life was your own, everything was your own, and then when you get married, you, became, you become one. And you're, you have a shared life. So the picture here, the substance behind this outward expression, this dunking in water, is now your life is one with Christ. That is who you are. That is the priority of your life. That is your identification. That everything you do or don't do, your life is one with Christ. So, union with Christ. Next is union together. Again, union with the body of Christ. Union with church. That you are joining a family. That you are now in agreement with other believers all throughout the world. That we are one. They're not individual churches. There's not this church and that church. The Bible says that we've become one. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, I think we have that, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. That there is one body of Christ. So you enter into community when you are baptized. So baptism is not just this little ritual, this thing that happens when you were little and it's just not that meaningful and significant. Jesus Christ says this, at the end of his gospel in Matthew to his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Baptizing people. Why? Because there's substance behind it. It actually means something. It means a whole new life. It means a new way of living. And then last, number four, as far as the substance behind the sign, is this, that your life is now set apart for God. That your life is a life of obedience, of following Christ. And this is so important. Let me, just, let me point you back in the Gospels to one thing for just a moment to help get us thinking about this for a second. What happened to Christ? What happened to Jesus after his baptism? What immediately happened? He went into a time of temptation. You have to think about that for a moment if you've been baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, think about this. You must know that when you stand together with Christ, you are now a target of the enemy. That temptation will come. That life is about to get hard. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness without food and was tempted to the point of brokenness. And so you can expect this. That temptation always comes after baptism. That that's, a, that's, that's like a proverb of the Bible, a proverb of the New Testament. That be prepared. How are you doing in life? Are temptations overcoming you? Have you walked away from the grace of God? Are you living life on your own? Are you enduring the challenges of life by yourself? Are you continually burdened and weighed down by life? Have you forgotten that your life is meant to be lived in Christ? 
that he is meant to share life with you, that you are to share the burdens with Christ. There will be temptations in your life to ignore Christ. There will be temptations to rationalize sin in your life, to make excuses, to compromise. And are you aware of that? The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to Romans, let me just, and I think we have it on the screen, let me just help us together think about temptation and how it comes after baptism. The Apostle Paul, chapter 6, verse 11 says this, So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Think about that for a second. That is baptism. That you are dead to sin. That is the going under part of baptism. That that part of you is gone. That part of you is dead. There is a new you. There is a new person that is alive to Christ. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make it obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Temptation is to go back to the law and turn Christianity into following rules and justifying yourself based on how well you follow rules. And Paul says, no, we live under grace. Grace leads to joy. Grace leads to freedom. And so you can evaluate your own heart right now and ask about joy and grace and freedom. And if that is lacking in your life, then I encourage you to remember the substance behind baptism, that it points to the cross, that it points to you being forgiven, that it points to you enjoying the grace of God. It points to the, the consequences of sin and life being poured out upon Jesus Christ so that you can live, as the Apostle Paul says, in newness of life. Baptism is an outward act that you can visibly see, but there is so much more to that. There's substance behind that. There is heart transformation. There is heart growth. My hope and and my prayer is that we think through baptism and communion we view them as a way of renewing grace in our lives. That, they, that is how we access God's blessing in our lives. That's how we access God's freedom in our lives. Please pray with me this morning. Father, we are so thankful that you can continually show your love to us, that we can renew our lives in the grace of the gospel. Father, we are told that we are to regularly practice communion and baptism as a way of renewing our lives in you. Not just routines, not just traditions that have lost meaning, but that are full of meaning, that are full of life. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that is weighed down by, by guilt or shame, that they would come to you as we conclude in worship, that there would be a renewing that happens this morning because of what you've done on the cross. We pray that your Holy Spirit would bring new life to us here this morning.
We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.